0: Coming up this week on AARP, The Perfect Scam.
1: I've interviewed con men for a long time, convicted con men, and they typically are hardened criminals. These are not hardened criminals. More and more with the globalization of the economy, what you're getting are young people who just want the money.
0: For AARP, The Perfect Scam podcast, I'm Will Johnson. Welcome back to our show. And I'm joined here once again by the AARP's Fraud Watch Network ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, good to see you once again. Great to see you, Will. Frank, this week we're going to tell our listeners about a scam that has cost Americans over $100 million. It has to do with the IRS, and certainly this is a type of scam you've heard of. This is a a really big one that actually got busted. Uh, The the folks that were doing this one, it was an Indian call center. But let's talk about call centers and IRS scams.
2: First of all, if the IRS wants to get in touch with you, uh, what can you expect? Will they call you? They don't make phone calls. They'll write you a letter. Okay. And uh, they'll have a reference number up in the right-hand corner for you to refer to when you call them, and uh, they're not going to telephone you, and certainly the IRS is not going to call you and demand that you pay uh, back taxes immediately. Or you'll get arrested. Or you'll get arrested, and they're not going to tell you to pay the back taxes on Apple Pay or go down to Walmart and get a green dot card, uh, right. as many of those scams say. Don't wire money to the yeah. IRS. Exactly.
0: All right, Frank. I want to introduce our listeners to 20-year-old Jash Dubey. He's lived in Mumbai, India, all his life. In the summer of 2016, he and his best friend made a phone call that changed their lives and ultimately helped bring it in to a vast scam that cost Americans over hundreds of millions of dollars. Jayesh and his friend Pawan Pujari were working in what's called a boiler room, scamming Americans over the phone by pretending to be from the IRS and demanding back taxes. Jayesh and hundreds of other scammers were using all the latest tools to swindle Americans. High-tech calling systems, robocalls, predictive dialing. Even getting into the building was a high-tech matter.
3: There was a fingerprint sensor door. If you want to enter the room, uh, you need to have your thumb. So after thumbprint, the door door will automatically open. Right? Means uh, no one else can enter the room. Only the people who work there, work in there, can enter the room.
0: AARP fraud expert Doug Shadell describes the scam as massive. They
1: said there were about 1,000 people in the boiler room on multiple floors of the same building. Um, They were robo-dialing 100,000 Americans a day. They were getting 10,000 to 15,000 callbacks because you know they're co- robo dialing a hundred thousand people, saying, "I'm the IRS, and you're about to go to jail if you don't call me back." So that tends to get people to call them back. And these two kids were actually in the in the boiler room receiving those calls and um, trying to extract money. So it was definitely a huge
0: operation. I just want to so- sort of underscore you mentioned that you know a thousand people in a boiler room. I got to be honest, my image of boiler rooms in in the course of doing this podcast has been on a much smaller scale, maybe a dozen, maybe, you know, maybe 50 or so people. But that, you you know, two floors of a building, it's astonishing to think about.
1: Yeah, it really is. And um, in my experience, I kind of agree with you. It's a little bit unusual. In the modern age, uh, a lot of this calling is done by individuals who are not organized into a group that size. They tend to operate with voice over the internet technology, they could be on a laptop anywhere in the world. And so it makes it very hard for law enforcement to catch them. So this was unusual because you had this aggregation of a giant number of people all in the same building.
0: Doug spent time interviewing Jay Ash and his friend after they came forward to blow the whistle on the scam. Doug got a sense of why Jayash took the job in the first place. These two were talking about how they were being
1: promised a thousand dollars a month in a country where the average salary is $50 a month. So that's like 20 times more than they could make anywhere else.
0: Jayash worked the night shift, 6.30 to 4.30 in the morning. He would enter the boiler room and sit at one of hundreds of PCs and follow the script he was trained to use. At first, he was nervous, but over time, he grew more comfortable talking to Americans.
3: So we, what we used to tell them, that why is that tax not paid? Like that. You were getting audited by the audit department of IRS. Right? So, now you will try to listen more. Like, okay. Not every American is scared. Some people. So, we were like, so while auditing, we have found that you have not paid your taxes. And if you don't come up with this amount on today's date, then your bank accounts, assets and all will be, so, uh, will be confiscated by the IRS and all. We used to tell them. So now they are like, okay, I'm ready to pay, but I have only $3,000. Okay, I don't have money. I have to borrow it from my neighbor from $2,000, $1,000, whatever. So we should tell them, okay, you just pay half of the amount so that this recorded call would be a proof in the courthouse that you are not running away from your case and you are ready to pay.
0: Like most successful scams, Jash and his co-workers used a carefully worded script that relied on fear tactics to keep potential victims on the phone. It's in
1: a very effective pitch in the sense that it just scares people so much that um, that's why they pay. All of these scams have a couple things in common. One of them is that they try and get people into a heightened emotional state. And you do that by either telling them they've won a prize, so they're really excited, or fear is a good one, too. You get them scared. Either way, the con men we've interviewed in the past, and Jaish was no exception, say that once they're in that heightened emotional state, it's much easier to manipulate them. They're not thinking clearly. Um, and so that's what they do. They call and they say, you owe the IRS $7,912 from you know, the last four years, or you made some mistakes. And if you don't pay us that immediately, we're going to send federal marshals out to your house and arrest you. And you know if you're... Um, a person of any age, but especially some of our folks who are over the age of 55, 60, you might live alone. That's a very frightening prospect. And you tend to disengage your logical reasoning, um, suspend your disbelief or whatever, just to get it taken care of and relieve the
0: anxiety that it creates. In the short one and a half months that J.S. worked at the call center, he quickly figured out how to identify callers who lived alone. They were always more likely not to hang up.
3: Typical victim uh, is everyone who is alone. You can tell every person who is alone. If I'm alone, I don't have anyone besides me, I'll definitely pay. People who are alone, we, we used to ask them, who are, who, are, uh, who is with you? They are like, there's just my friend or my husband, my wife. They used to tell us. We used to understand, okay, now if it's your husband, then the chances are very low. It's your friend. chances are very low. Okay, you're alone, fine.
1: You know, 90% of the people who actually fell for this live by themselves. And they don't, because they don't have somebody to run it by, you know. Uh, Do you think this is real, this IRS thing? And if you had someone you could talk to, your chances, they'd say, what? Come on. No, you know. So um, the nature of the victims here is a group that is particularly vulnerable. And I think that's another reason why law enforcement makes it a priority.
0: One of the reasons why Jayesh was hired was his English language skills. But his accent is clearly strong. That's something that over time he learned to disguise more and more. And even so, a vulnerable American might be used to someone calling with an accent, even someone calling for the IRS. We're used to legitimate companies using foreign call centers, so why not the IRS?
1: He had a pretty thick accent, and I remember asking him, How did you convince people you were the IRS? He goes, if you do this calling eight hours a day, you you adopt an American accent. You know, I just haven't done it for a while, so I can't do it for you right now. But he goes, after a a couple weeks of doing this, I sounded like an American.
0: Once he had someone on the phone, Jayesh stuck to the script. If someone seemed willing to pay, he would use their zip code to find a local store with iTunes gift cards. And then he'd keep the caller on the phone.
3: Now, I'll just tell you, just go to this store, right, that this is a federal affiliated store. You have to go inside the store, and you don't have to tell anyone about this, right? If you tell anyone about this, then this case will be published with the third parties. Then I cannot help you. Now, the one one thing is left. What you have to buy is iTunes card. Yeah, you have to buy iTunes card, right?
0: And his instructions went beyond just what to do and where to go. He gave victims tips on how to appear and how to act.
3: Okay, now what you have to do is, first thing, uh, you have to keep a smile on your face. A very important thing. Because uh, the there is a lot of awareness and they, they don't used to give, uh, uh, like if you ask for $3,000 of iTunes card to the shopkeeper, he will not give you. He will actually ask you, why do you want $3,000 of iTunes card? So we used to all tell them everything. That once, uh, if anyone's asking you, that why do you want three thousand dollars of card? What is the purpose of taking this card? You have to tell them that this is a gift for my family member. That's all, nothing else. This is what you have to tell them, right? And you have to keep a smile on your face. Now, how to do the payment, right? And they used to do every all of these things. Now, one iTunes card, one iTunes card can be loaded with five hundred dollars. Now, suppose if you have to pay me four thousand dollars. Okay? So you have to buy 8 iTunes cards. 8 iTunes cards, 8 divided by $4,500 each. Now we used to explain them that you have to load $500 in each card, right? And you have to come back again to the parking lot, sit in the car and let me know that I have loaded $500 in each card. I have $4,000 and then I'll tell you what you have to do next. Now I will just take the 16 digits of alpha numerical codes in each card.
0: Jay Ash would then pass along that 16-digit iTunes code to someone else in the boiler room, and they would go about accessing the money. His job was complete as soon as he had those numbers.
1: Us standing on the outside of this transaction, you think it's pretty implausible that you'd, you'd respond to this. And then when they say the way to pay is to go down to, you know, Walmart or someplace and buy an iTunes gift card, you're thinking, what? But that's because the reason they're doing it that way is because once they give that number, you know, you scratch that number off from the iTunes card, you load it with 500 dollars or whatever the limit is, give it to them, it's completely untraceable. You can't find you can never get it back. Law enforcement can't find out who cashed it. And there's a huge underground market in the whole iTunes arena with gaming and so forth, where it's much easier to fence things, buy Game Boys, run it through Xboxes. There's a whole world like that. Because um, I had that same question. iTunes card? Really? Why don't you just have them wire money, um, which is what used to happen? But this is just a new world we live in.
0: And just as Jayesh would focus on getting those iTunes codes, there were scam employees, even victims in the United States, playing other roles. What, what can you tell us about the people in the United States who are part of the scam, the so-called runners?
1: Um, well, a lot of times scammers will... Either they're victims, um, and they don't know that they're victims. They're also known as money mules, where one victim is supposed to send money to another, uh, and they'll just because it's a local address as opposed to wiring it to India, and it's it's all designed to further the conspiracy and conceal the fact that this is just a bunch of kids in India, you know, playing with your with your money. And um, we've seen these money mules in a number of different scams, not just the IRS scam. One of the most common applications of it is the romance scam, where you're sending money to, very, um, you know, just laundering it through people. And there have been examples where those people unwittingly participate as money mules and then actually get charged by the U.S. Attorney's Office, and you know have to defend themselves, and some even do time as a result of it.
0: Well, and as we've learned recently in the news, uh, almost a dozen members of this India-based fraud were working in the United States and have been sentenced sometimes up to, uh, uh, up to 20 years. So uh, the government is cracking down. Do, do you have any sense of how they were able to go about catching up with people here in the United States?
1: I think it speaks to the level of cooperation between the U.S. attorney's offices here and the government in India that they were able to cooperate and track those people down there's a lot of law enforcement assigned to this and and i think the the indian government is that's part of the reason for the crackdown is that that is a huge source of legitimate employment in that country, and they do not want to be known as the place where all the scam boiler rooms operate.
0: I mentioned that it was such a large scam that that might have been part of its downfall that eventually people are going to talk.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the strategy with the U.S. Attorney's Office, always with these large scams, is you arrest everybody, you charge as many people as possible, and then you offer people deals. And what is the price of the deal? You, You talk about what you saw and who were the leaders. Uh, and then you'll get a lighter sentence. We have interviewed dozens and dozens of con artists in the past, convicted felons who were just hadn't been sentenced yet. And um, part of their motivation for talking to us is that they can go to the judge and say, uh, "Well, I did this bad thing, but I'm trying to make amends, and I am trying to help in these educational efforts." So cooperation to get a lighter sentence can take many forms. One is to testify against the other scammers. But another is, is to show that you're willing to help educate the public about how to avoid
0: it. That motivation seems clear with Jayesh. He quit the job and blew the whistle on the scam before law enforcement moved in. He was eventually interviewed by the New York Times and featured along with a photo standing with his friend Pawan in Mumbai. You do get the sense that he was he was willing just to come out and go ahead and talk about this stuff.
1: They realized what they were doing, their conscience just couldn't let them do it anymore. I mean, they had people crying on the phone. Jayesh felt really strongly that, you know, um, he was willing to acknowledge that he did this, that it was wrong, and to go public and describe how to avoid it. So it was really admirable. He went through the full cycle of thinking, oh, I've got, this is my first job. And it's a good job and I'm going to get paid 20 times more than anybody else to wait a minute. Why are all these people crying on the phone to this is a bad thing for me to be doing. And now I'm going to warn America about it. So he's went full cycle.
3: I left because I didn't want such kind of money. Earning such kind of money is waste. I cannot even tell anyone where do I work. What do I work?
0: When the call center where Jash worked was raided, Hundreds of police officers stormed the building and found over 700 people inside, according to the New York Times. All but 70 were released, the senior management, if you will. Other call centers were raided. In the end, police learned that there were five call centers scamming thousands of people out of hundreds of millions of dollars. After the raid, the Better Business Bureau reports that scam IRS calls to Americans dropped a whopping 95%. Almost two dozen people working on the scam in the United States were sentenced this past summer. But call centers aren't going anywhere, and neither are the scams and the outrageous amount of money being stolen.
3: Uh, I think, I cannot tell you, but uh, it is still going on in a lot of places, not in Mumbai, but in uh, Ahmedabad, which is in Gujarat, is what we have heard when I used to work there, that uh, the owner has more uh, centers, more rooms in Ahmedabad. And he has four buildings in Andaman and Nicoba.
0: The scale and the scope of international scams like this one is sobering and frightening. But remember, you are in control when a scam call comes in. Hang up, stop and verify.
1: The Fraud Watch Network and AARP, our whole focus is getting to people before the bad guy does, helping them see the malicious attempt coming from a distance so they can defend against it. And the best way to do that is to teach them what the approach is. The IRS is not gonna call you out of the blue and tell you that you owe them $7,912. That just won't happen. They may send you a letter. They may, you know, but they're not going to call you on the phone. And if you get one of those calls, the simple thing to do is to not respond to it and independently contact the IRS and ask them if they were contacting you, you know, before you do anything else. So that's one of the one of the big tips to avoid this
0: aarp fraud expert doug chadel thanks thanks again for talking to us really appreciate it Pleasure, Will. all right frank now irs scams have been around a while whether through phone calls or the mail but
2: like a lot of people i trust the mail maybe more than a phone call yeah so what started to happen now recently is that people realize carmen realize that everyone's heard about the irs scam they've either read about it in the paper they've heard it through aarp they've heard it through a lot of other sources so they've changed gears a little bit. They now send you out a letter, comes in an IRS envelope, says Internal Revenue Washington, D.C., up in the left-hand corner. Over on the right-hand corner is it says postage and fees paid by United States government. for very official business. You open it up, there's a letterhead of the IRS. There is a reference number up in the right-hand corner. It says, Dear Mr. XYZ, you owe back taxes on your taxes. You need to contact our local office immediately. Please refer to this phone number and contact agent so-and-so with the IRS to discuss your case. So it looks very legitimate. People get that letter. They immediately call the number on the letter. Uh, It's a boiler room usually in Miami. Somebody answers, says Internal Revenue Service. Sounds very legitimate. I got this letter. I was asked to speak to agent so-and-so. I'll connect you. Another person comes on, says they're that individual. And then the next thing you know, they're asking you the same thing they would have asked you on the phone, send the money, pay these back taxes immediately, uh, etc. It's the same scam, only the letter has some credibility, and they've only heard about the phone call scams. They haven't heard about the letter scam, so it's a new, new approach, a new way of getting the scam.
0: I've worked on the show long enough and had enough conversations with you that I know that I can get on the computer and look up the
2: IRS phone number and call directly. Exactly. I can stop and stop and verify. And that's what you need to do, stop and verify. So if I got that letter, I'm not taking the phone number they gave me to call. I'm going to look up the IRS's phone number and I'm going to call the IRS, say, I got this letter. This is what it says. This is the reference number on the letter. And then the IRS people will inform you that that is a fraudulent letter and not to, to ignore it. And so this scam was based, the call center was
0: based in India And I wanna talk a little bit about uh, call centers and
2: they hire a lot of young people. Yeah, especially like in in call centers in general tend to hire young people. They're reading from a script, which you can tell a lot of times when they call you that if they have waiver from the script, they get lost. So they're only following what's written in front of the screen on them. So here you can imagine in India somewhere where you're offering someone a job in a call center, a young person, they don't even really know what it's all about. They're just reading from a script. They assume it's legitimate. And they are making these calls and doing what they're told to do and getting paid a salary for it. And they're, they're interested in the income they get from, from it. So I can see very easily someone falling victim to this or truly not even understanding that it's part of a scam. They think they're doing something that's legitimate.
0: All right, we now move on from international IRS call center scam rings to another scam that shows up as an ad on your laptop. We're joined by Jen Beam. She manages the Fraud Watch Network Facebook page. Jen, how are you?
4: Hi, Will. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, It's always good to check in with you and see what's going on out there. You know, a lot of people like to do online shopping, right, Jen?
4: As do I.
0: And uh, it's a it's a fun way to shop. You don't have to go anywhere. Box comes in the mail. However, there are scam and fraud concerns surrounding online shopping. Can you tell us about uh, one that happened earlier this year, right?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think most of us have heard of Amazon. That's probably yes. one of the yes. uh, main places I go to. A little um,
0: outfit out of the Northwest.
4: Just a little outfit. Yeah. So obviously that's Big money. That's a lot of shoppers. So scammers are always looking for a way uh, to to get in there. And so what we're hearing, I first heard about this uh, from our folks on the Facebook page we're messaging. And then I'm also hearing uh, our Fraud Watch Network helpline. Uh, we were getting a lot of calls about this, too. Mm-hmm. So in this, there are fake phone numbers uh, posing as Amazon customer service. But they're actually using ads, so search engine ads, to get you to call them. So uh, they're paying for their websites to show up high on search. So if you're searching in Google or Bing or what have you, Mm -hmm. Amazon customer service number, instead of calling the actual real customer service number, you're getting their dummy number.
0: So you call the fake number and then you start explaining your problem and what happens?
4: You know, they As you do when you call customer service, they verify your personal information, they make sure you get the right credit card, and they get all your stuff.
0: All right, so the lesson here being it, it should be a safe experience if you go to Amazon's website and look through and go to the right area of the website and get the right numbers or you're going to the right web address and chatting with them in that way.
4: Precisely. Always go to the main uh, website address. Make sure you type that correctly in the the little box up there. And uh, go through the customer service right there on their website. That's the safest way to go. And you don't even need to call them. You can just open the chat box.
0: Got it. Thanks again, Jen.
4: My pleasure. Thank you, Will.
0: Jen Beam is with the Fraud Watch Network Facebook page. For more information and resources on how to protect yourself or a loved one from becoming a victim of a scam, You can visit AARP's Fraud Watch Network website, aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And as always, thanks to my team of scam busters here at AARP, Julie Getz, Brooke Ellis, Julio Gonzalez, and Steve Bartlett. For AARP, The Perfect Scam,
3: I'm Will Johnson.